Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Nadine Dietz, host of CMO Moves. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thanks so much for stopping by today and to give you a quick overview on what to expect. CMO Moves is all about game-changing leaders, their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and most importantly, their personal stories of how they got to be the leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. I hope you'll enjoy their stories as much as I do and take away a few tips and some inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Hello, and before we get started with Kathy Davis today from Feeding America, I wanted to take a moment and share with you some pretty interesting background as to why I decided to bring this forward today. You see, going back to when COVID was really gearing up and we were all being asked to stay at home and work from home, there were a lot of brands in our community that were looking for ways to collaborate to help each other through that time period. We hosted a lot of different calls, whether it was for the CMO community or the innovators community a mix of the two, our mentee community, and we discovered that it would be very efficient if we launched a Slack channel for brands to collaborate, and we called that channel Brands Together. Today, we have over 450 brand marketers in there that are collaborating on different topics. This is actually where the Sports Unite group met and collaborated which brought together 14 CMOs across the different leagues to launch the first ever joint PSA in celebration in honor of frontline medical workers. That was a pretty historic moment. You may have caught all that coverage, but there's been a lot of other initiatives going on and we're going to be sharing many of them over the next few weeks and months. But in particular, the one around fueling kids has been exceptionally challenging. And when I say fueling kids, I mean feeding kids. Did you know that one in four kids in America today is either food insecure or without food entirely, which by definition, insecure includes both. So they either have little or no access to food. And that problem has existed for a very long time. But the impact and acceleration of that problem due to COVID is mind-blowing. Now, it is an unfortunate injustice, but there are certain communities who have always suffered inequities and those communities are getting hit harder than anyone else. So what does that mean actually? Food insecure or without food? Well, you're gonna hear all about the problem, not just with kids, but with families overall in this country from Kathy. 
But when you do the math as we did, and there's been about 25 different brands participating in trying to crack this problem, it only cost 10 cents to provide a healthy meal to a kid. And if you think about three meals a day, seven days a week, and 18 million children who are food insecure, it is a $40 million problem a week, which is why no brand can solve this problem alone. There have been many, many, many brands supporting and working closely with Feeding America, No Kid Hungry, Gen Youth, and countless other charities who are focused on helping here. So what we did is we brought together those three charities in particular, Feeding America, No Kid Hungry, and Gen Youth. And we've been working with them and a number of brands and all kinds of creative ideas to try to figure out how we can mobilize the public because we can't do this alone. And so today we're gonna talk about the problem. We're gonna turn it over to Kathy and I hate to even say I hope you enjoy this episode. Um, Kathy is quite enjoyable, but this topic is tough. So I hope you at least find this podcast informative and eye-opening. Thank you for your attention and have a great day. Hello and welcome to CMO Moves. Today I have Katherine Davis with me, who is the Chief Marketing and Communications Officer of Feeding America. Katherine, hi and welcome to the show. Hi, nice to be here. It is nice to have you here and uh, no better time, in fact, to have you here. We have a lot to talk about, given everything that's happening right now. And I'm just uh, really grateful that you could take some time to, to join us and uh, help us really get a better understanding of what, what's happening, because it's, it's pretty dire out there. Yeah, we appreciate the opportunity to do it. It is a very disturbing situation out there right now. It's really tough for a lot of people. We found that even before COVID-19, there were 37 million people who didn't have enough food to eat. And we're estimating that now that number is as many as 54 million people in the United States. So clearly we have a lot to do. Wow. Yes. Uh, And as your company name reads, Feeding America, that is exactly what you're focused on is how to get Americans food, correct? Absolutely. Um, We work in every county in America. Unfortunately, there is hunger in every county in America. And we work with 200 food banks around the United States and 60,000 food pantries and soup kitchens. So we have a a really large network that can get food to the people that need it. Yeah, and we're gonna dig into that because I don't think a lot of people really know how many places you're in to be able to get food to folks. And the way they get food is very different, Uh, especially uh, we're gonna zero in on kids in just a moment because that's a even more heartbreaking situation. Um, Yeah, it's really hard. Yeah, and much more challenging. Um, but, but before we do that, let, let's talk about COVID because it isn't just the health pandemic that's making this situation worse. It's because those communities who have always suffered inequities are getting hit even harder and those numbers are growing at alarming rates. Is that correct? Yes. Um, so food insecurity has always disproportionately hit people of color. And before COVID, um, Black Americans were two and a half times more likely to be in a food insecure household. And Latinos were twice as likely to live in a food insecure household. 
So significantly more than the general population and we're doing everything we can to make sure that we're reaching people in those communities. And that growth rate is estimated to take those numbers even higher, is that correct? Far higher. Um, there aren't new numbers yet, but just to give you some context, we know that one out of every six people in America is hungry. And one out of four of those are kids. Um, so it's huge post-COVID. It's always been a significant issue, but it is even more pressing now. Yeah. Well, and, and it, it's almost like unbelievable, right? We're talking about yeah. our backyard where yeah. it, one in four houses around us has a household who's food insecure. And I don't think people realize the magnitude of the situation. You know, for me personally, when I first had my big aha moment, I was actually living in Bentonville, Arkansas. I was, aha, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did, I did, I did my duty working on a consumer products company servicing Walmart. And uh, I was in Abbott Nutritional. So we had the nutritional business, Zone Bars and Pediasure and Pedialyte, uh, Insure, different products that were really important for just general nutrition. And we were asked to get involved with the food bank, which is, you know, under your umbrella. And yeah. it was called the Backpack Program. And Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, and I had no idea. And I can't remember the exact stats, but it was something around... In a 10 mile radius, there were 70,000 children that when they left school on a Friday afternoon, they didn't get any food until they came back to school on a Monday morning. It broke my heart and I thought, well, why is that? And it's because they don't have access to food, nor do their parents. And so the backpack program was where a lot of different brands would come together who had products that would be helpful for those children create a Ziploc bag that would fit into a backpack. And when the kids were out at recess, this is very important that they were never identified to their peers, right. um, slip the food in their backpack so they, they had it for the weekend. And uh, that to me just, I couldn't believe that a kid would leave school and not eat until they came back to school. I never thought of the school system as the primary source of their food. I think a lot of people don't think about that. I mean, the school lunch and school breakfast programs are so important. There are a lot of after-school programs that um, our food banks and pantries are a part of. Um, the backpack program is something that we do in, in probably most communities in America. Um, it's really tough for kids. For whatever reason, children are impacted disproportionately when it comes to the issue of hunger. And for us, the ability to solve not only that issue, but the overall issue with families is so important because you don't want to be in a situation where kids are deciding who gets to eat or parents are deciding who gets to eat. That's a terrible situation to put someone in. It certainly is. And so why is it though that, it, it, that children are disproportionately affected by this? I think because families with kids have more people to feed, right? And then there are also issues with what kinds of jobs you have and what your daycare situations are like. There are additional expenses associated with that. Um, oftentimes people have multiple shifts, right? It's a much more fragile ecosystem when you're talking about adults and kids. 
So how do you, how do you even begin to address this? Tell me, tell me some of the things that you're doing. So we put together a wide variety of programs that help not only kids, but also their parents get food every single day, which is what everyone needs and deserves in order to be healthy. We work with food banks all over the United States to make sure that that we're helping people in individual communities um, get the access that they need. So let's let's talk about access. So we we saw a lot of news over the last few months with food banks being over overwhelmed with the demand and so many efforts trying to help get the food out. And, and I want to come back to the kids situation because if schools were the primary source and they're closed, then what happens, right? Um, so, but you have, you're working with all these food banks and I think I saw a fact that you were able in the last few months since really the start of COVID, that you've been able to provide 1.3 billion meals. Is that correct? Yes. Wow. Yes. And is, give us order of magnitude. Is that actually enough or is there still more to go? So I think there's always more to go simply because of the volatility of this disease. But um, we've been able to increase the amount of food that we're distributing by, on average, 60%. Um, about 40% of the people that are coming to food pantries now are new. Um, and so there's a massive new demand. Um, and we are continuing to look for ways not only to provide food to the people who need it right now, but also potentially those people who might lose their jobs in the future. And I ask that question because, you know, when you start to really do the math on how many people are food insecure, how many meals it'll take, I, the numbers get out of control. And, and it's it just amazing to me how many meals need to be served to, quote, satiate this problem. But we've seen so much activity. We've seen so many brands really step up and donate. Uh, I know Walmart's a really big partner of yours. And together, you're able to yep. actually create a, a meal opportunity for just 10 cents, right? Is that right? Right. Um, we we can provide up to 10 meals for a dollar. And Walmart has been an incredible partner. We have so many longtime partners, Subway, Starbucks, Morgan Stanley, who've really stepped up over the course of the last two and a half months in an even bigger way than um, they've been able to do in the past. Brands have created content, they've raised money. Um, they've even donated their media space. Um, Morgan Stanley, Chibani, Coke, all donated media space to us so that we could run public service advertising to increase um, the amount of awareness around food insecurity, but also to be able to raise money so that we could continue to meet that increased demand. There have been so many people that have stepped up to help. The, the thing that I've been most excited about during this whole process is to see the incredible generosity of virtually everyone in America, right? So from school districts and bus drivers who are delivering foods to kids that might not be able to get to the schools, local restaurants who are partnering to make ready-to-go meals for seniors, farmers who've been donating their crops. Um, we've really had an incredible outpouring of generosity and it really will take all of us to help, right? Not only the public, but corporations and brands and the government.
and I think that's that's the other big aha is despite all of this activity, there's still a problem, right? Yep, there's still a problem. Well, first of all, the hope is that no one needs to to need charitable food assistance, right? That everybody has access to the food that they need. But given that that is not the case, then we are here to help as many people as we can. Mm -hmm. So so let's come back to the kid issue for a second. So if school is the primary source of food and all the schools closed, what I, I also don't think a lot of people know is that schools actually stayed open to yes. be able to serve the kids, right? Yes, most schools um, stayed open and then they changed the way that they were distributing food, much like we did, right? So that p- kids could come in, grab it and go, um, which has been incredibly important over the course of the last three months. And to do that, they all need money to stay open, to pay for the workers, pay for the drivers, like they're using school bus drivers to deliver, right? Uh, just They're trying everything just to get the food to the children, correct? Yep. Um, everybody has been pitching in, and that's why it's nice to be able to partner with other organizations like No Kid Hungry and Gen Youth um, to be able to help get that food out to kids who need it. Yeah, and speaking of those two organizations, um, you know, along with you, I'm so happy that we're all trying to figure out this problem together. You know, I remember when Alexis Glitch called me from uh, Gen Youth, and, and her organization helps provide funding to schools so they can do things like stay open. You know, she'd put out a, an offer to provide grant money to schools so they could stay open. What happened immediately is that grant money was gone and there was $25 million in ask and she couldn't help keep the schools open. Right. Um, which is sad because if that's the way the kids are getting the food, you know, it, th- where does the onus fall? And, and with No Kid Hungry, obviously uh, a major part of the solution here. I'm just grateful I, I even had a chance to talk to all three of you and the work that we we're doing under brands together, you know, obviously brands really care about this. So the initiative Absolutely. that we're, yeah, the initial we started was fueling kids wasn't actually to take over this, but to go find a new lane to open up more funding. And it, it won't come directly from the brands only uh, because even with all the brand activity, it's just not enough. We're still going to have one in four children who are not going to have access to food. Yeah, it is a massive problem and we need everybody to help. So we really appreciate all the generosity that people have shown so far. Um, Being able to raise awareness of the issue and make their consumer bases understand the issue better, I think is a critical piece of this. You know, so often some of our donors will say, what can I do to help? And we say, have a conversation. Talk to somebody about hunger, talk to your kid's teacher, um, make people aware of it. Because I think most people have absolutely no idea how many people are hungry in America, certainly how many kids are hungry in America. Um, It's a big issue that we need to solve. So raising awareness um, is critically important. In addition to money, money is always good. (laughs) <laughs> yeah even 10 cents right even 10 cents i that number still amazes me that you can create a meal for a child for 10 cents so what we've been able to do is we work with all the large retailers in the united states um as well as most of the large consumer packaged goods manufacturers 
and farmers to help um, to be able to donate food so that we can do it in this amazingly efficient way. And then we buy food on top of that um, when there are things that we're missing. So it really is less about not having the food in the US, it's about getting that food to the right place at the right time. It's a distribution issue. Yes, which is exactly what we started with when we were trying to work together as brands to figure this out. I mean, we had, you know, Jabari from Lyft saying, hey, I've got drivers. And we had Siv from Hilton saying, I have refrigeration units if storage is a problem. We had um, Scott from Adidas and Kayla from Under Armour all saying, how can we help? Is there something we can do? I mean, and we're still working through this. It's going to be a collective effort to make sure that all of America can get involved and help to solve this problem. And Kathy, before we go uh, too much uh, further, I don't want to run out of time and not talk about you. Um, so let's do this. If somebody wants to help you directly, tell me what they should do. And then let's talk about you for a few minutes. Sure. Uh, you mean you feeding America? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm happy to deliver you a meal if you'd like one. No. Um, but no, how do we help feeding America? So um, there's so many ways that you can help. The easiest way is to go to feedingamerica.org um, and make a donation, find out more about hunger. Um, there are many different ways that people can participate. We have people who are big gardeners who actually um, are growing extra food to deliver to their local food pantries, um, having a conversation with your, your kids about hunger and making them aware of it is another terrific way to participate. So, so many great ways, depending on the amount of time that you have, volunteer at a pantry or a food bank. Okay, those sound like simple things we can do. So I love that. Um, okay, great. So Kathy, how long have you been at Feeding America? So I've been at Feeding America just about three and a half years. And um, before I started, I had no idea that at that point there were 40 million people in the United States that were hungry. And it just seemed wrong. And it seemed like something um, that I wanted to be able to really spend my time helping to fix. And I feel really lucky to be able to make um, a small difference I think it's so important that we be able to make sure that everybody has what they need from a nutrition and health standpoint um, every day. Well, and considering how hard you're working on this topic, um, I call it a topic because I, I hesitate to call it an issue. That just feels wrong. It, it's a it's a crisis. You know, it's a crisis. It's a crisis. You know. I, how do you keep your morale up? Because it must feel great to help, but when you know you still have so much need, like how do you keep it going? How do you keep your morale up? So um, being able to talk to some of the people that were able to help, I think is critically important, right? So hearing the stories from people like Rebecca, who is taking care of her grandchildren and the restaurant she worked at, has closed and she hasn't had a paycheck and we were able to help her and make sure that she and her grandkids had the food that they need. I think hearing stories about volunteers and people who have helped 
there's such a lovely side to humanity. Um, and so I think individual stories really help me. I, I can't even imagine processing all of that on a daily basis. Uh, I mean, it just, it must overwhelm you at some point where you're pulling in all these stories around you. It, it, it's just got to be emotional overload at some point, right? There, there are definitely moments of emotional overload. I think probably the biggest moment of emotional overload was watching over 30 million people lose their jobs and knowing that um, they wouldn't know where their next meal was coming from. Mm -hmm. But I work with an amazing team who was able to jump into action and we completely changed our distribution system so that not only could we accommodate social distancing, but also the fact that there was this incredibly high demand. At that point, they were having all different kinds of supply chain issues. And then volunteers tend to be over 60. And so we want to make sure that they're safe. And so we've needed to tap into additional volunteer pools. So um, I feel really good about what the team has been able to accomplish. And imagine that we'll have some more challenges over the course of the next year and a half or so, which is why it's so important that we have as many people as possible to help. All right, cool. Um, and then my, I have two, two final questions for you. One is, did you ever think you'd be in this role? <laughs> um, no, but I feel really lucky that I am. Um, I think it's been really good to be able to help in a situation that has become as um, complicated and extreme as this one, right? Things are going to happen to all of us over the course of our lives. And the only way that we can control that is how we respond. I feel really lucky that I was put in a position where I could help people. Yeah. What, what, just out of curiosity, what, what kind of roles were you in before? What kind of businesses were you in the <laughs> same industry? <laughs> no. So, um, so I was actually on the Make-A-Wish of America board and the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater board. Um, so had done quite a bit with nonprofit, but very much came out of the for-profit sector. So that includes financial services. I worked at Diageo, the largest liquor company in the world for, uh, for quite a while. Um, so I worked on, worked on McDonald's and worked on a variety of other uh, for-profit businesses. Wow. So, so what happened? Why, why did you go from for-profit to nonprofit? because I thought I could help um, because there was an amazing opportunity that, that somebody talked to me about and I was horrified by the fact that 40 million people in the United States didn't have enough to eat. And I thought that's something that I can make people aware of. And that's something that I can drive action on. Mm -hmm. and, and certainly you have what, if somebody wanted to make a move like you've made, what, what's some advice you'd give them going from for-profit to non-profit? That could be a whole show, I'm sure. But like, <laughs> what, 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 what would you tell them? I think it's important to get a lot of non-profit experiences, right? Whether that's on boards or volunteering. I think um, it gives you a better sense of how, how they work and how you can be helpful. Um, that's probably the best piece of advice 
I can give. And then if you see an opportunity that, that moves you, go for it. I've never been very methodical about my career progress. I think it's been driven quite a bit by gut and serendipity. Um, and I feel really lucky at how it turned out. That is great. Well, okay. So then my famous now last question, it's a perfect last question after what you just said. So you're feeling lucky. You're feeling great right now, but sad, but great, sad, right? Sad, but great. But if you weren't doing what you were doing and money and talent were of no object whatsoever, what would you be doing? Wow. That's a really good question. Um, something related to what I'm doing now, probably. I really, I really like my job. I knew you were going to say that, by the way. It's pretty obvious given how much you love what you do. Right. I really like my job. I, I work with amazing people and I have an opportunity to, to create impact on an issue that needs to be solved in America. And, um, it's so funny. I, I don't know what else I would want to do. Well, I think what you're doing is beautiful and we need, well, thank you. <laughs> need you there. Um, and I'm just really excited that we had a chance to talk about this really important topic for everyone today. And uh, thank you for taking the time to, to give us an education and some, some solutions. So I really appreciate that. Thanks for asking. Um, really appreciate it. It's great to be able to talk to you and, and other brand leaders and um, help find ways for people to help. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, I would love your help in sharing CMO Moves with one of your friends or colleagues who you think might enjoy it too. And if you have time, I would really love your review or ratings on Apple or SoundCloud. So thanks again and have a great day. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just the thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 